0: Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Served Neat. Today, you'll hear from Lacey Madison. Lacey Madison is the founder and CEO of Sir Consulting Firm, Sir Business Academy, and the Brand CEO Academy. Known as the Gordon Ramsay of female led businesses, her appetite for disrupting industries is always present. From hustling candy on the playground (laughs) to becoming a PR and social media expert, Lacey is truly a born leader, a street shooter, and a no excuses kind of gal. Her passion for sales combined with an innate ability to educate led to a career in branding and marketing, aka inspiring women so they can forge their own paths and get to where they're trying to go. Her company, Sir, is a high level consulting agency where she continues to teach female entrepreneurs around the world how to manage their growing businesses. After hours, you'll find Lacey sipping on iced coffee or a cocktail, usually in her PJs, using curse words and globe-trotting with her amazing husband and two. I am just obsessed with Lacey and the content she puts out. So definitely give her a follow on social if you haven't already. We'll go ahead and link her handle in the description for you guys. In today's episode, you'll hear an unfiltered conversation about leadership between two CEOs. Oh, and a lot of laughs. Lacey is so dang funny. Let's get into the freaking interview. So I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. We have Lacey here with us today, and we're going to be talking all about leadership. She's going to give us the nitty gritty details of what's going on in her world. So let's go ahead and just start with a basic question. Are you a natural born leader or are you a trained leader? Okay.
1: And you know what? I think that answer to this when people ask, you're always looking for one thing, but I'm not going to give you the one thing. First of all... (laughs) First of all, I'm a projector. And so I truly believe that it was inbred in me to lead. It was inbred in me to educate. However, I do believe that no one is a natural born leader. Yes, you have instincts. Yes, you know, there are certain character traits and things that allow you to thrive in that leadership role, but you are always trained. You always need to improve the skill, master the skill, do all the things. Oh my God, I'm really talking with my hands right now, Jen. (laughs) The whole screen is up.
0: There. I wish you guys could see this. She's such a hand talker. It's <laughs> hilarious. I'm going
1: to sit on my hands, but that's my answer.
0: (laughs) No, I love that answer. And I agree. I think you could have leadership traits coming out of the womb, but I think that over time you really develop those traits and you learn to hone in on it. So yeah, that was a great answer. What do you think makes for an exceptional leader in 2023? I
1: absolutely love
0: this question.
1: And I have been speaking about this a lot on all of my platforms. I have three for you. The first one is great leaders, and especially in 2023, need to be proactive, right? They are brilliant observers. They are brilliant at making perceptions. And, you know, I always say when it comes to leadership, you've not only got, you know, self-leadership, thought leadership. We need to be thinking about leadership holistically, right? So looking at, yes, yourself, looking at how you lead your clients, looking at how you lead your networks, your friends and family, and knowing how to observe what they need and when is an incredibly important skill. So that's the first thing. The second I would say is self-awareness, emotional intelligence is an absolute no-brainer. And I think at this point, it goes without saying. The world of entrepreneurship is just a never-ending pressure cooker. That is the best way I can describe it. And the more successful you become, the more true this statement becomes. So I think that if anything, you're leading, especially right now, I am leading one of the biggest teams I've ever had. And in that, I have had to be incredibly self-led and in terms of my emotional intelligence, my emotional awareness, knowing how to navigate incredibly intense and difficult situations. And I think that if there is any leader can work on continuously, it's not a stop it's an ongoing thing is self-awareness and emotional intelligence. And the last one I would say in 2023 is we're coming back to this community piece, right? Everyone is talking about how important community is right now. And it's because it is, you know, especially after COVID, we are craving community, we are craving connection. And I think that every single great leader understands the importance of focusing on developing others, right? Yes, I love this conversation. (laughs) You know, anytime you get me talking about leadership, I am popping. I love it. Like, seriously. And like we have this saying it's so uh, it's that we raise the cumulative standard. And I think that part of developing others is consistently raising the bar in which people function, the bar in which people move. So those would be, I think, my top three traits for exceptional leaders in 2023.
0: Those are all so good. And I'm gonna like Thanks. pick apart your answer and get <laughs> a little bit more. I want some more like tangibles here. So let's take okay. the third one. You talked about really yes. developing community. How have you developed community over at Sir? What are you doing differently than maybe other consultants are doing when it comes to community specifically?
1: Okay. So this is a multi-pronged conversation and we need to remember, we need to be very cognizant of the fact that I have nine years of experience in the business space. And so that is a long time to build brand loyalty. It is a long time for people to be following my life, following my business journey. That in and of itself, that transparency, that vulnerability is truly what got me to where I am today. And I think that now more so with the shift of our approach to community is changing because we have spent the last, you know, eight, nine years on building this community through transparency, authenticity, vulnerability, but it is shifting now to less of showing my personal side because I'm sure we can all see that, which is surprising, right? But we demonstrate more of that in close-knit communities. I am more heavily involved in the DMs than I ever have been. Again, it comes back to this self-awareness and emotional intelligence piece. I am a very highly anxious person and I never used to be able to. Anxiety queens! (laughs) But I literally, I would look at my DMs and six months, 12 months would go by. I wouldn't respond to anyone. And I think that for the longest time, I had a very surface level understanding of what leadership and community actually meant. And I'm always the first to say that, you know, from my teams to the people in my community, to my family, I would literally go months and months and months and months without speaking to my family. Whereas now I really make an effort to interact with those people on a daily basis get on calls get myself into if i'm just out and about hey i know you're in the area let's catch up you know what i mean it's the small things and those small nuggets of building community are ultimately
0: what create the larger web right That was great. Thank you for expanding on that. (laughs) You talked about something really interesting in there, though, about how your idea of leadership has changed over time. So where did your idea of leadership or what did you think of leadership 10 years ago? And what do you think of it today? Like, what about that has changed?
1: Honestly, if we're talking 10 years ago, I thought leadership was a person. I thought it was a role. I thought it was a title. Being a CEO and having run businesses for so long, well, I'm the leader. (laughs) Motherfucking CEO, bitch. So (laughs) listen to me. (laughs) I was definitely slapped in the face with some realities. And and you know what? It's not an ego thing. It was truly a lack of awareness. It was a lack of awareness for what the meaning of leadership actually is. So now when we look at leadership, it comes back to qualities and it comes back to ultimately without the ramble. Leadership is the ability to influence, ability to influence behavior. It is the ability to influence, you know, a movement. And I think that now and Jen, you can see. With everything that Sarah is doing, we are very heavily focusing on movement, heavily focusing on culture. And I think that that is now more so what leadership means to me.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing more. All right. So we're going to go kind of in a different direction here. If you're open to sharing, what challenges are you currently facing as a leader?
1: I saw this question pop up. (laughs) (laughs) And you are catching me at such a terrible time because I am an oversharer and there is a lot going on in my world right now. In the most strategic communications way that I can put it, honestly, I'm navigating very intense pivots, especially with my team, mid-launch. We launched SIR, and we had what we thought was a very clear direction on what we wanted SIR to be and who we wanted to lead in a certain environment, mid-launch, I looked at myself and I was like, I still feel the same as I did in 2021. I still feel like I am speaking to the same caliber of people. I feel like my teams are only able to serve a certain caliber of people. And I am a true believer that there is no such thing as a bad employee. It's all about how you lead them through a certain environment. However, when we are dealing with moving from the entrepreneurship space to and startups and small businesses to corporations, the manpower that you need behind you is vastly different. And so I think that if we're being completely honest, one, self-leadership I have gone through to not lose my mother effing marbles in the last two weeks is insane. I have cried more than you can imagine. <laughs> Two is understanding, okay, how the heck am I going to move my teams through this? Who do I have to lay off? Who do I have to turn around to and be like, this isn't working in this dynamic anymore, not because of your ability, but because it doesn't fit within your boundaries is what you even signed on to surf for, right? So that is difficult. And I think that honestly firing in every sense of the word is always a difficult thing. And I think it always will be.
0: Absolutely. Every time I go through this, which it hasn't happened often over at me, but the few times I have had to let somebody go, I am up the night before. I am sick to my stomach. I have the worst anxiety. I yeah. do not like putting somebody in that position. It does not feel good. I'm sure you're a lot like me in a sense of you're very empathetic. And I've been laid off before and I know exactly what that does to a person. And it just it tears yeah. me up inside when I have to go through it. But I heard something interesting from, another interviewee I had probably maybe six months ago, she had said something. Your first employee is not your last employee. The people you need on your team will change based on the season that you're in. And it's something that you have to accept when you go into business and you're growing a seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure brand. Not everyone who comes to you in that first year is going to be with you through the end of time. And it's a tough reality to accept and they're tough conversations to have. And I think that they're also character building too. I feel like every time I have that conversation, I become, a little bit better. My skills become a bit more refined and I learned something that I didn't know the day before. I love that.
1: That was very well articulated, Jen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I Oh my gosh. So I love words of affirmation. That's my love language. So I do t- anytime someone's like, "Jen, good job." I'm like, "Oh my god, my cup is overflowing right now." And I just feel so good. <laughs> That's all
1: we want, okay? That is the only energy for 2023.
0: <laughs> okay. So now that we're on the topic of hiring and firing. Let's talk about teams. How have you built out your team, right? Like who was your first hire? What does your team look like now? What do you see for the future?
1: Okay. So when we first, and again, I've started up all companies and you are very multi-passionate in that way too. So when we actually first started building up teams within the companies that we had, we had an agency model and we started with in-house teams. The first thing we started with was an assistant. Now, obviously that assistant is no longer with us (laughs) as it always works out to be. And eventually we actually moved into an entire contractor model for those companies. We also then, but we did hire in-house for continued assistant work and all of that sort of stuff. Now my team looks very different and especially because of the restructuring. No, we used to have a team of 20 and that was very intimate, but now (laughs) we have an entire C-suite team. We have all of our surf contractors, we have all of our surf firm in-house employees, and it's insane. And I think that when you're working with contractors, it's very easy for the team to become like this very, very quick. And I think that that was the harshest realization for me as well sorry, I will get to the point of your question. I'm just a rambler. (laughs) I am a rambler. But the hardest thing is understanding how important having a close-knit team is, but moving into an environment and moving into a business model that requires me to have such a large team. It's juxtaposing. Truly, again, leadership you have to get around it. You have to figure it out. That's what this business is about when we're looking at scalability and when we're looking at what our business model is fundamentally supposed to look like for success. That's what that looks like. So yes, what was the question? What was my first hire? First hire VA, now a million (laughs) now. But look, I practice what I preach. We offer executive C-suite here at SIR. We offer integrators and I make sure that I know that process through and through before I deploy that into anyone's account. Do I have to be a master at it? Absolutely not. I think there's power being a generalist, especially as a CEO, but I understand what it takes. I understand the caliber it takes to deploy any expert into your business.
0: Oh, yes. I love that. I love that you touched on being a generalist as well, because I consider myself to be a generalist. And I think that generalists make for great CEOs. You know enough to get by, you know enough to hire the right people, but you're not specialist in any one particular thing. And I really like being in that role. I'm the same. And you know what? Opens up the discussion, right? So then
1: like, if you are forever the expert, let's be real. How are you ever going to find an expert to fill your shoes? It's, it's never going to happen. And that was one thing I really, really got stuck on. And Jen, even to this day, It's something that I still battle with, especially when it comes to marketing. I find it very hard to find people that have my brain. But when you allow yourself grace to step into this generalist role, because it is not a bad role for a CEO, you also allow yourself grace to hire on the right team members. It is You being so stuck in your ego, that stops you and disables you from being able to build the teams that are actually going to move you forward.
0: Oh, 100%. I really like that. And as a generalist, you kind of touched on this too, but like people can come into the role and really make it their own and bring their skills with them to the table. And because you're a generalist, you don't really know any better. So you're kind of like, sure. Like whatever process (laughs) you think works. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great, great conversation going on here. So I have to ask, What has been your biggest leadership aha moment in the last 10 years? Did you make a really big mistake at some point? What did you learn from that mistake? Did you reach a really big goal and learn from it? Like, what is that big moment for you as a leader?
1: There have been so many, so many. I truly, and I always been saying, it's this experience. And I'm going to be very candid right now. I'm young, first of all, very young. I am a first-time mom. Now I've got my second on the way. But I was running multiple companies at an insane client capacity at the time. And I was just about to give birth. I hadn't given myself a proper maternity leave because I was still have client work to fulfill when it comes to marketing. My consulting clients, I was like, guys, I need X, Y, and Z off. Everything else, I was like, X, Y, and Z off. Even PR. I was like, you know what? Got teams for that. It's fine. But There were specific clients that I just could not pass off. And from the moment my baby was born, I was still in there scheduling things out. I was still in there strategizing entire editorial marketing campaigns. Now, when I say this, was I doing it well? Absolutely the fuck not. And guess what happened? These clients came to me and they were like, Lacey what is happening? You either need to take a break. We need to pause the contract. You are not fulfilling to the level and the standard in which you usually do what's going on. Now, mind you, these same clients have come back after maternity leave being, I need to work with you. There is no better person I trust. And it's because they truly understood what I was going through at the time. But that was really a breaking point for me to have clients turn around to me and be like, what is going on? Because I wasn't leading myself. I wasn't leading my team. I wasn't leading my company. I wasn't leading my clients appropriately. And because of that, my business quite literally fell apart. And so I shut it down. Shut it down for a year. I went on maternity leave. I allowed myself time, space, and grace to just reflect and refine. And we have honestly come back at a caliber a hundredfold than what we were able to do before. And it was only because of that experience, it was only because of hitting rock bottom and realizing that I had absolutely lost the reins on my entire company, did I realize, okay, something needs to change. And I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but this is something that I like to say a lot when people ask me about this. Motherhood is a wonderful thing. It is such, you truly give birth to a different human. I was a very selfish person and I think, Jen, you might get offended by this and you might disagree with it. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. But as someone who has also struggled with mental health my entire life in an array of different ways, I was very (laughs) selfish in the sense that I was not willing to seek help for the things that I knew I needed help with, and because of that, it heavily impacted everything else. And I think that in motherhood, I had to learn I cannot keep doing this. I cannot keep sacrificing everyone else at the expense of me being in my comfort zone. I need to do the things that I know I need to do to fix the situation. Motherhood taught me empathy. It taught me community like I have never even known. It was insane. When you are thrusted into an environment that you don't know and you have no one else around you that is going through the same thing no one else around you that will do the same thing for another decade. You have to get out there, you have to meet people, you have to do the things. So truly a combination of all of those things (laughs) is the answer to that question.
0: No, that was a great answer. And to your point about hitting rock bottom, and that's really where you learned a lot and stepped into your leadership role. I feel the same way. I almost feel like you have to have something really terrible happen, right? Before you kind of figure it out. Because if you keep winning all the time, I don't learn anything from my wins. I learn significant lessons from my losses, from my failures, from my disappointments. That's where I learn and I become a better leader. I become a better business owner. Yeah. I think those are incredibly valuable learning lessons as much as they suck at the time, right? Nobody wants to go through it. you went through. I went through burnout and depression and anxiety yeah. <laughs> earlier last year, and I didn't enjoy going through it, but I'm like, thank God I went through it because that made me build up my team more. Without that, I would have, who knows what would have happened, right? Clearly I needed to slow down. And that was my body's way of being like, whoa, baby, like let's pump on the brakes a bit and kind of restructure your life. And so it was good for me, but yeah, I think that every entrepreneur needs to go through something incredibly humbling to kind of rebuild, come back better than ever. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because I know (laughs) that sharing the shitty things in business is not really easy to do.
1: Yeah, but it's something that I do too well because again, I am an oversharer and I share everything.
0: <laughs> well, no, you're the perfect guest for my podcast. I don't have to <laughs> cry with more questions. Like you just give me everything, which is perfect. Okay. So I want to ask kind of another difficult question. We're wrapping up Don't worry, I won't keep you too, too much longer. <laughs> don't be silly. Have you fired a team member? If so, how did you handle that conversation? Kind of walk us through that conversation step-by-step step so our audience can kind of learn a thing or two and get some takeaways from that.
1: Okay. When we're talking about tangible, the way that I used to buy up compared to the way I do it now, there is a saying in the entrepreneur space is you don't... I can't even remember the saying. I can't remember it. It's fine. But essentially, no one wants to be surprise attacked right? If you have seen inconsistencies and problems and faults with this employee or this contractor time and time and time again, and you haven't addressed that and led them through that appropriately each and every single time and navigated through what is going to happen if this keeps continuing to happen, how do you think they're going to react when you turn around to them one day and be like, you're gone? You will be surprised how much people want a chance to prove themselves. People want a chance to do better, but you either reprimanding them when they do something wrong or you just not even bringing it up to allow them to become better is the very first problem. So if we can mitigate that, if we can lead our employees and our contractors appropriately through all situations, difficult or not, if it does come to this point of firing, they should be well prepared for it. They would know it's coming by this point, right? And so I think that that is the biggest piece of advice is do your due diligence before the firing so that when it does come to it, it's straight to the point. Now, this is something that I still heavily struggle with, which is why I also have teams that allow for me to step away. Because again, I'm a very, very empathetic person. And my husband and I actually were talking about this last night. We we're like, why can't we just say the thing? Why can't we just say it and then let it be? There doesn't have to be animosity. That It just, you say the thing. We fluff freaking everything. Everything. So we'll be sitting oh, you, yeah yeah, you know you are a great you're a great employee, but <laughs> there's a things like you just You don't have to say it here are the facts. So this is what's not working. This is what has been done to try and mitigate it. This is what's not being done to see improvement inside of the company. This is not the standard we hold for the company. And I'm sorry, but we have to let you go. And, you know, trying to figure out some sort of leave plan, compensation plan, whatever that is for them should already be negotiated so that you're not sitting there trying to be like, I'll pay you X, Y and Z. Like, because you feel bad and it's messy. So if you can do the due diligence, have everything set up in place, you can simply come to the conversation with the facts and the details and they already know coming.
0: <laughs> no, that was perfect because I used to be the same way. I would really fluff up difficult conversations because I'm an empathetic person too. And I don't ever want someone to hate me. So yes. (laughs) I could do the same thing, but I also realized it was getting to a point where it was taking away from the point. And it was almost like I was hyping them up and then I was letting them down. And there was no reason to do that because ultimately that does them a disservice. If I'm sitting here and I'm like, you're a great person and I love this and I love that. But ultimately X, Y, and Z didn't get done. So goodbye doesn't do anything for them in their career. So it is really important to try your best to come to the conversation with what you said, facts, figures, solutions and just ending it there and calling it quits instead of dragging it out. And also you had mentioned communicating expectations before it even gets to that point. And that is so important to not just make assumptions. What's the saying? If you assume you make an ass out of you and me, But you never want to assume things that someone is just going to get it together or figure it out or get better because they're not. If they don't know that you have different expectations, how are they ever going to improve? They're not going to. So that was great. Lots of good information. Last question for you. How are you improving your leadership skills? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you keeping up with? I love this question. The very first thing I want
1: to say is, aside from my internal teams, I invest in mentors. And for the very specific reason of navigating leadership, I am very open about the fact that I believe mentorship and coaching is a personal development tool. Whether or not you use that for business, it doesn't matter. But it is a personal development tool. It is for the CEO. So with that, I always have someone in my corner that I can be how could I have better handled this? From the outside looking in, you know, just someone to really liaise with when it comes to leadership that is in a position of leadership and is a leader that I aspire to be right now I am also the biggest I hate this term because it shouldn't even be a thing but just like everyone says it it's like I'm the biggest nerdy nerd of all time like I love reading I love articles I love podcasts I love all of the things right now and everyone would know her but Natalie Dawson I am just eating her up I don't know if that sounds right
0: we are not editing that we are keeping that <laughs>
1: guys don't judge me it is 7 30 in the morning and I haven't had a coffee okay I've been up since 4 a.m and I went to bed at midnight so everyone's
0: <laughs> it's a judgment-free zone
1: anyway I love her do I agree with everything she says absolutely not but I think that the way that she is currently leading the leadership space is really inspiring in and of itself I love books like The Art of Strategic Leadership, you know, that's coming from more of a tangible aspect. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about executive level support, we need to have a deep awareness around what that level of leadership looks like. But truly, podcasts, books, articles, anything I can get my hands on, I'll be there.
0: (laughs) Cool. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. How can people find you? Okay.
1: I always say the best place, Instagram. I'm literally always there and I'm so active in the DMs, on my stories, all of the things. So lacymadison.consulting and welcome to the community. (laughs) It's a vibe. It's a fun time all the time.
0: (laughs) Perfect. We will link everything in the show description so people can discover you. Lacey. thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Need. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Neat. Until then, cheers.